You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, hey, hey! What is going on, everybody? I hope everything is fine and groovy and awesome in your neck of the woods. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about this episode, I'm not gonna lie. So many of you have emailed asking over the years, I think I said like 10 or 12, and then I uh, looked back, and it's a lot more than that, so we're, we're around the 20 mark. So a lot of you have requested Sarah on the, on the program before, so this is gonna be, this is gonna be really fun, I think you guys are gonna really enjoy it. And, even better, she did stick around for a little bit of Patreon action, so... There will be more of us discussing a whole bunch of nonsense over on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash tonemob, you can see the different levels that are available there. But at $5, $5 a month, that's all it is, you get extra episodes transported directly to your ears that nobody else gets to hear. That's right. Nobody else gets to hear those ones. Those are just for you. So yeah, uh, if you want to slide over and check that out, that would be awesome. And without further ado, we're just going to get right into this episode with Sarah. So, enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wylan, and with me today I have Sarah Lipstate. How's it going? Uh, hi, hi. Uh, it's going. Today's going pretty well, I have to say. That's good so, to hear. I'm happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, this is a this is fun. I have to say, I I think I said this in the initial email, but you're probably one mm-hmm. of the most requested guests. Probably had about wow twelve <laughs> to fifteen different individuals ask for you over the last year or so. So this is wow. a, this is a real treat. I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, that is. Um, I'm I'm very flattered and uh, happy happy that the, the people made this happen. It's all about the people. <laughs> we just we're just yeah, here trying to give g- the people what they want. Exactly, that's the only reason we do any of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, let's not uh, let's not take like too long. Let's there, there's I've got a whole list of questions for you, and uh, most a lot questions. of questions. Gener- yeah, generated from, right. the, from the Facebook group. But before we get into that, I feel like we need to start where I always start. Like, and yours mm-hmm. is probably pretty fascinating. What is your musical backstory? How did you, you didn't just like all of a sudden wake up one day to a huge pedal board. Like how did, uh, how did, did you, be- yeah, how no. did, th- how did this happen? <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 17 and, um, it was, you know, I, I, I had a little bit of a musical background in that my, my parents started me um, playing piano when I was in second grade. So I did that for eight years. And then I played the trombone in middle school and high school. Um, so when I uh, started getting really into Sonic Youth and decided I wanted to get a guitar and like, make noise rock (laughs) um I I I told my parents and you know they had been really supportive of uh, me exploring um music but with the guitar they they weren't really that excited about it so it took me a little (laughs) while I think I was probably 16 when I told them I wanted a guitar and they did end up getting me uh, an acoustic guitar for Christmas uh, and I was, I was, um, that was, I was like, I, oh, you know, technically, yes, this is a guitar. It's what I asked for. But I was like, I, I really wanted an electric guitar. So I got a summer job and, um, uh, saved up enough money to buy like the cheapest Dan Electro they had in the store. Um, and so that's how I started out, had a Dan Electro electric guitar and, uh, one of their, uh, dirty 30 practice amps. So, um, yeah, that was how I, um, began my, my journey with the guitar. And, um, I grew up in, in Lafayette, Louisiana and, uh, you know, music stores we had were all 
local, like independently owned. Um, I worked at one of them. That was my summer job. Um, I was out in the back cleaning. They rented, um, they rented instrument, like uh, band instruments okay. to kids. And uh, my job was to uh, clean the brass instruments. Oh, you got to clean all the little kids spit out of the instruments. It was, no, it was so gross. So I was in this, I, I usually refer to it as a shack. It was like a shack behind the music store. And um, I was in a little room that had like a, a rusted clawfoot tub. And it had these like plastic trash cans filled with this acidic solution. Mm. So I had to wear these, these, I had to wear these rubber gloves and dip like the trumpets, dip all the instruments in the trash can with the cleaning solution. And I remember one time I put a, a cornet into the, the solution and a cockroach floated out mm. and it was just like so disgusting. But yeah, I had to um, clean out the trombones. You have to use this little like snake tool. Um, it has these like bristles on it and just like clean it out. So anyway, I did that for a whole summer and, um, and got my, my Dan Electro. So, uh, yeah, those shops, they didn't have, um, you know, huge selection of guitar pedals. And, um, but I did buy my, my first guitar pedal from Lafayette music and it was an Ibanez, um, TS seven. Oh, sweet, sweet. So that was my very first pedal. And um, luckily, I, um, when I graduated high school, I went to college um, in Austin at UT. And, you know, if you've been to Austin, it's a pretty big music city. And they had a lot of music stores there. And um, so that was where I really... Um, started exploring effects. Um, there were places that rented, you know, music equipment where you could go and um, rent pedals. So I could go and, you know, spend a little money just to, to have play around with a pedal for a week or two and um, figure out, you know, if, if it was something that I really needed to have. And um, I went to the pawn shops a lot and you know see just all kinds of different things in there and um so it was a much um it was a much better environment for me to kind of explore things without necessarily having to you know uh spend a lot of money which as a college student is uh is a good thing it's a primary concern for sure <laughs> yeah yeah so um it was it was really fun um, so while, so I, I guess my freshman, sophomore year, um, I added, in addition to the TS7, I added um, a Boss DD6 delay, um, got my first Line 6 DL4, and I got the um, Moog, the um, ring modulator. Okay, gotcha. So I I remember very distinctly like having just those few effects, you know, especially the looper, um, that was that allowed me to first um, experiment with guitar soundscapes and just you know plugging in on my own and um, you know working working that way as opposed to just playing with other people. Um, so that really um, kind of opened up my world a lot uh, and showed me just the, uh, the benefits of um, having, having a pedal board. Did you, start, did you start playing by yourself the way you do or were you playing with other musicians at this point first? Um, so yeah, when I was still in Louisiana, um, I didn't know anyone else who played, um, 
And uh, one of the coolest things, so I did get uh, for Christmas, the, the next year after I had saved up and bought my electric guitar, my parents did buy me a Fostex uh, cassette four track. Oh, sweet. So probably that was my first experiment with recording, um, you know, layered guitar soundscapes uh, was with that. So that um, was a way for me, you know, feeling, feeling pretty isolated with, without having people to play with to kind of, um, you know, get some creative satisfaction and just record little demos on these cassette tapes. Um, when I, when I uh, moved to Austin, then I started meeting other people who um, played music and, you know, were into the same types of bands that I was into. So I did start playing with other people uh, I kind of ha had a band with, um, two girlfriends that I met there where my friend Baxter and I, she also played guitar and we were just like, it was back in the day when you're like walking down the street and you would see a flyer right? <laughs> that would say like, you know, uh, drummer and singer looking for other musicians. These are the type of bands we, we like. So we met a drummer that way and you know, we never played any shows or anything, but the three of us would get together and just play music. And um, so that was happening at, you know, while I was still at my house, just in my bedroom with my headphones on, um, playing, just, you know, looping and playing stuff on my own. So um, yeah, it kind of evolved in in parallel i would say um but it was really nice to to meet other like like-minded musicians and just have other people to connect with and uh not feel so isolated um so it, that was a really great experience playing with them that's great <clears throat> yeah it's a, it's something else playing with uh with others it's a it's kind of a weird you get sometimes when, when everything's firing and, you know, on all cylinders, you get linked up in mm -hmm. this weird, almost, uh, it almost feels like psychic way. <laughs> it's like, you yeah. know, you know what's coming, even though you don't know what's coming and it all just works. It's, it's strange. Yeah. But what, what you do, I think, and I think because a lot of people try to do a similar thing, albeit not as successfully, uh, you know, mm -hmm. namely people like me. Uh, so, so, uh, but your, your sound and how you build and create things is so unique. Do you have any like sort of baseline rules that you go by when you're creating a new piece? I don't, um, I don't have any, any kind of set process that I follow or like in terms of rules, you know, I, um, Sometimes, I don't know, uh, sometimes the, the pedals come first and sometimes I just mess around with my guitar unplugged and come up with something and then um, see what happens when I plug into my effects. But no, no, uh, my approach is just kind of... Um, I don't know, developed over uh, many years of this weird kind of um, weird journey with with the guitar. Uh, so I, I don't I don't really have have any answers for you. <laughs> in that so I have to keep regard. floundering by myself until I find figure it out. That's what that's what I'm getting. At yeah. Least. Okay, I can do yeah. that. I'm a good flounderer. I suppose. Sure. That's all I do. Flop around, <laughs> try to figure it out. So do you, do you have any, did you have like, like I want to be a musician with this stuff? Like some of the, some of the, what you're describing almost seems like it's, it's sort of those everything fell into place type moments or was this intentional? Um, no, I, I knew that I wanted to play music, but I didn't 
think that it was going to become like the primary driving thing in my life. Um, I didn't study music in college. I studied film, got my degree in film. It was always like what I did when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. Like when I wasn't uh, in class or wasn't, you know, doing um, like working on school projects or whatever. It was just how I spent my free time and uh, how I kind of navigated my social world, how I connected with people. You know, I, uh, I started dating a guy. Um, we dated pretty much throughout my whole college time. And uh, we started playing music together and started a band together. So it was just like how, how I related to people. Um, so I don't know. I don't know at what point I... I think it was probably a very scary moment um, much later on when I realized like, oh, no, I'm going to try to like make a living doing this. And this is going to be my primary identity. And, you know, uh, I think that was probably terrifying. It's still terrifying thinking about that. Um, but it just it just that's how things evolved. And, um, you know, it's. <laughs> it's it's it yeah it seems like a a wild ride and also i can relate to you because, yeah because that's yeah. very much very much a similar similar situation for me it's always mm-hmm. been a huge important part for me but never never yeah. did i actually think it was going to be my primary driver either and now here we are right which is wild yeah you know i i definitely have friends you know who went to to school for guitar and studied it. And, you know, I have no training on guitar at all. I never took any lessons. I didn't want to learn how, I didn't want someone to tell me how to play the guitar. Um, I was very stubborn about that. (laughs) Um, so, you know, to, to find myself in the position I'm in is, it's hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes, but um, I'm very grateful to be here. Do you remember your first solo show? Can yes. We, can we can we talk about that? Because that sounds like it would be particularly nerve wracking, especially considering was, yeah how you do things all by yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, so it was it was interesting because I. I started releasing um, tracks and like little EPs under the name Noveller. Um, so for people who don't know, I, I perform and release music under the moniker Noveller. Uh, so music was kind of out there floating around um, starting around 2005. And while I was still living in Austin, you know, I'd gotten asked to play a show here and there, but for whatever reason, they never actually came to fruition. So it wasn't until I graduated college and I moved to Brooklyn in 2007 that the first real show opportunity came about. And um, the show was actually a festival uh, called Sonic Circuits in Washington, D.C. And yeah, I was so, I was, I was really intimidated. I was really terrified and uh, I had to figure out how, yeah, how to do, how to do a solo performance, you know? Um, so what I came up with and this is like all the earliest Noveller shows. Um, the guitar I used was uh, an Epiphone SG double neck. Oh, sweet. That I, I did not wear it. I did not play it in like a traditional guitar. I uh, laid it flat on a keyboard stand. And I had, you know, I had my violin bow, which is something I still use a lot. Um, had two ebos. That's the great thing about having two necks is you can have like two ebos going. Oh, you can do wow. all kinds of like 
really fun melodic drones. I've even gotten three bows going on a double neck because you have like the 12 string and the six string neck. So I've gotten three Ebos going, but at the time I had two Ebos, you know, I think I had like a, a slide and then I had my, um, I had my little pedal board and my looper. So I think I came up with, it was probably like 15, maybe 20 minutes of music. And, you know, it was, it was fairly planned out. Um, it was, it was pretty, um, you know, it was pretty experimental and, and loose. So it wasn't like this, like rigid compositions, but it was like a kind of a planned out thing. And, um, yeah, I played my first show, uh, Sonic Circuits and, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was an incredible feeling and, um, you know, I don't think I'll forget, forget it. Um, and I have some great photos from that performance as well. Even so, better. you know, I'd love to see some of those. Are they up on the gram anywhere or anything like that? Or those? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where are they? Um, can I look at other things while we're recording on my phone? If you got good internet, probably so. Probably so. Okay. Or we can just link back to it later. That's probably that's probably Yeah, we can do that. I don't want to jeopardize our recording. Yeah, but um we'll put that in the show notes for, for later people to okay. to view. We can put a link in there. It'll be easy. Yeah. It would be fun to look back and see if I can make out like everything that's on my pedal board, but I'm sure it's it's the pedals I mentioned earlier. Um Which does but, yeah. kind of kind of go into a nice segue that'll probably take a while. So uh, okay. I think this uh-huh. this will be a nice thing to do. So from the, the Facebook group, uh, we have lots of questions, actually. We won't. I already told okay. them we're not getting to all of these. <laughs> so there's just too, there's just too many. Uh, but so going from this first rig, we kind of have a good idea what that is to the current rig, because Emily Harris wants to know, quote, all about her stereo setup. So as much Uh, detail as you can provide, the nerds are hungry. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, my stereo setup, it's really um, when I started going um, using two amps and going in stereo, it really... um, was a game changer for me um and now i so i just the newest pedal um on my board is the the tri-parallel mixer oh yeah the new electroharmonics um, mixer so i just got that set up so things are very very exciting um but yeah so yeah so i'm trying to think at what point things split off into stereo you know i have all my um have the all like the mono pedals like the um the mel 9 the synth 9 then i have my um my overdrives and fuzzes i just got a a a super fuzz pedal which i'm really excited about the old univox Um, one right Yes. Yeah. I got, you know, like the, the classic orange and blue, uh, super fuzz. So I think from that point, from the super fuzz, it goes into, um, the even tide H nine. And from that point on, everything's in stereo. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I think at the moment it go, I can pull up a picture. It goes, from the H9 into the um, the Empress of the Zoya. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> That's supercomputer level already. Yeah. Yeah. And then, is that an old photo? Is that a current photo? The Zoya. And then I have the, um, the Maris pedals. Oh, yes. So, um... 
I've exper been experimenting with having the auto bit in there. Um, cause I, I'm trying to recreate this like, you know, bit crushed reverby sound, but I don't think that's in there at the moment, but you know, the poly moon and the mercury seven, uh, and then things get a little funny because I'm obsessed with the, um, the reverb delay on the, the chase bliss mood pedal. Uh huh. Yes. But that's not in stereo. So I have to branch off from the Mercury 7 reverb and have like, you know, the right channel go straight into one of the amps and then the left channel go into the mood. So you're only getting the the mood coming out of um, one of the amps. Gotcha. But I, I like I, I can't not have it because it sounds so good. Um really into that um but that's how things are working at the moment um that's, that's yeah that's, so that's I incredible think I answered that question <laughs> that's a... yeah i mean oh I, wait i have the avalanche run in there too i was gonna say no avalanche run i thought that was a yeah staple. i have the avalanche run uh so i yeah i had to take the h and so i'm uh, Things are confusing right now because I have two separate boards. Right. I have a board for, um, so I did, I, I worked on the new Iggy Pop record. I wrote um, three like soundscape pieces for the album. Um, we're going to be doing some promo stuff. Uh, so I had to learn the other songs, which are not... <laughs> ambient soundscape songs they're like more you know iggy pop rock songs right so um we're going to be playing one of the songs um on the jimmy fallon show so i have like a little my pedal train nano set up with just what i need to play this pretty straightforward song so i had to take the h9 off my board for that but um and then i had then i took the avalanche run off anyway yes Avalanche run is in the mix. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, can we just rewind that whole thing and talk about working with Iggy Pop for crying out loud? That's insane. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I would love to talk about it because it's like, you know, a pretty uh, mind blowing. Um, it's a mind blowing thing. You know, I have a picture of myself uh, when I was 18 wearing an Iggy Pop shirt no way and playing playing my guitar playing i'm playing this like uh mexican fender strat wearing my iggy pop shirt i'm 18 and it's like you know fast forward to 2019 and it's like i i'm playing with him <laughs> that's insane that's so insane i mean yeah. he's, i mean that's yeah for it's... for for people who are you know are into that type of music i mean that is that is that is our Elvis, you know, in some ways. Like that is yeah, our, yeah. you know, Stooges, our king of rock and roll. The Stooges were everything to me, um, you know. So um, yeah, I'm definitely uh, experiencing this opportunity at, very much as a fan. Um, so you know, it carries that extra weight, um, and it's very meaningful, but. Um, yeah. So, How did it happen um, though? Does it just, he found, found you or like you met, met at the you. right Let party? Let me tell you how it happened. I'm okay? ready. I'm ready. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I've been putting out albums as noveller, um, for many years. Um, and just so happens Iggy has a radio program that he does for BBC six. Okay. And in August of 2015, people started posting on my Facebook saying, Sarah, I can't believe I just heard Iggy playing one of your songs on his radio show. And I was like, what? And it's like someone posted a link to it. So I remember I was driving in the car with my mom. I was visiting my family in Louisiana and I was like, mom, we have to stream um, 
Iggy's radio show because people are saying he played one of my songs. So we're streaming it. And there it was. He played one of my songs um, off my album, Fantastic Planet. And not only that, he he played it and then he like either talked about it and wow. said that he had like watched some videos of me on YouTube playing. And I forget the words he used, but he basically said really nice things about me as a performer and a guitar player and a musician. And I just had the biggest smile on my face. Like that was probably to date, like one of the happiest moments <laughs> for me. I don't know how so you I was just like that. psyched by that, you know, <laughs> like that was enough for me. And um, so, yeah, that was in the summer of 2015. So if we fast forward to the, the beginning of 2016, I get a phone call from my booking agent. Um, let's say like Jan mid January saying, um, <laughs> uh, Hey, I just got a inquiry to see if you were available to go on tour with Iggy Pop and Josh Homme. And I was like, what? So anyway, yeah. Like I, Iggy I am. As a matter me, of fact, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was insane. But anyway, so Iggy had um, invited me to open, uh, open for him on the tour he was doing they were supporting uh, an album called post pop depression that he made with Josh Homme. Josh, uh, also, he produced the album and he played on it. Uh, and it was like Dean Fertitta from Queens of the stone age, um, also played on it. And, um, it was just, yeah, this really crazy opportunity. Um, so that eventually happens. The tour started in March. So, all of a sudden I'm, you know, on stage opening for Iggy and we did a total of 17 shows together. And, um, so over the course of that, you know, it's not like Iggy, he pretty much, we, we did like one big dinner, um, after one of the shows, you know, he kind of, he just like, he saves up his energy all day for, to just give an incredible performance and then he kind of just you know does his own thing so it's not like we became really um really close on the tour but anyway so that's how he became familiar with my music and what I do so um I guess 2018 I just got an email from Iggy's manager Henry um saying hey uh you know I think he said, like, Iggy doesn't know that I'm sending this to you, but um, here's a recording of him doing a spoken word piece. I was wondering if maybe you could put some music to it and, um, you know, I'll play it for him and, you know, just like don't have any expectations, but I just thought it would be cool to send this to you. So that was how things started. Wow. I recorded like a soundscape to that and sent it off. And he's like, oh, Iggy really likes it. And then like months later, uh, another email like, hey, here's another piece. <laughs> here's another like vocal. Um, you, you know, Iggy really likes. Um, I did a I did an all guitar cover of the theme from John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. And oh, Iggy had yes. heard that. And he really liked it. And he was like, um, Iggy wants to know if you can do something kind of inspired by the, you know, this thing. And so I did that and he was like, Oh, Iggy really loves it. And so there's like months and months later. And it's like, I've forgotten that this has even happened. And then it's like, Hey, so we want to put those tracks out on like the album. And, uh, <laughs> wow. And now here, here we are. So the album's coming out on September 6th and, we're going to be doing, um, yeah, just some promo stuff for it. Um, but uh, it's been just a very, um, very kind of surreal experience, as as you can imagine, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yes, that is, I mean, congratulations, first of all. That's pretty. Thanks. <laughs> that's, there's not very many people that get to say 
I played on an Iggy Pop record. No, like no, and they gave me so for my tracks they um, they gave me a producer credit. So, you know, Look my my publisher is really happy about that. But um, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that that know, tends to make publishers quite pleased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so you know, I think that'll be it'll be interesting to. Basically, my my music opens the album and closes the album, and all the in between is kind of more what you would expect from an indie pop album. So, it's going to be really interesting to see what um, what his audience makes of you know my soundscape stuff and see how it's received. Um, but yeah, so potentially it'll bring a you know a much different uh audience to to what i do hopefully that's the hope that's a, yeah that's a that's always yeah. the goal more people please yeah so i want to i want to dive back into the facebook group because we do have some some pretty good okay. questions in here uh one right. from our uh i'm a mutual friend philippe herndon from caroline guitar asked a really good mm-hmm. question is yeah. Is there any internal overlap between her identity as Sarah Lipstate and Noveller, or is there a moment when she transforms into Noveller, whether it be when writing, performing, or recording? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I, I like to... Maybe I'm just kidding myself and thinking that they're separate, but um, I think that is why I chose chose to have um, a moniker to perform under instead of just having everything be Sarah Lipstate to have some distinction and and you know uh, hopefully some kind of um, uh, boundary there right, right <laughs> which right. is increasingly difficult with you know, social media and just like the level of engagement that I personally like to have um, with people um, online and, you know, at shows, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be there like selling my own merch at the merch table and talking to people. And of course, if people come up after the show and want to talk about my pedal board. Like I'll <laughs> talk to people, you know, <laughs> I uh, I definitely put, make myself available in that sense, but I think that it's I, there is a distinction, and I definitely feel like when I'm on. Oh, Safi, hold on! Uh-oh. My cat just knocked my water bottle over. Oh no! It went everywhere. Safi, now she's drinking the puddle of water that she made. I hope you're pleased with yourself. I feel like Safi. that was on purpose, like very on purpose, right now. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see how it is. You little jerk. There's a waterfall happening right now on my kitchen table. All right. We there can, we go. Okay, we can pause this. It's okay. We no, need... it's fine. I I I I uh I fixed it. Okay. All right. Well I'm leaving that um, in. So whatever. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Anyway, the so, boundaries get a little bit. I'm ass, uh, I'm assuming they get the lines get finer and finer every day. Is that kind of where you're you're going with that? Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's 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 been. Uh, I feel like I identify Noveller much more now as like my onstage persona. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening now, as I've gained more of an audience through my Instagram and talking about pedals and just sharing all of the process stuff, is like people know me now from Instagram and my and all my social media is like my name. It's either at Lipstate, which is my Instagram, or on Twitter, I'm at Sarah Lipstate. So people now are like, "Oh, you're Lipstate." Like, you know, if I'm at NAM or something. Right. And people recognize me. So it's more like I've there is a further distinction drawn. Um so 
it's gotten to a point where sometimes I wonder when I'm posting stuff on Instagram about Novella, it's like, are people, do people even get that that's what I do? <laughs> that I'm not just someone who, you know, nerds out about guitar pedals. Like I have, I put records out and I tour, I do all this stuff. So it's very confusing. Even I get confused. But <laughs> I will say when I, when I am on stage and I'm, you know, building these guitar soundscapes, like I feel in that moment, that's definitely, you know, um, a whole different thing happening. So, um, we'll see. Ask me again in like five years. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll revisit this in five years. Well, hopefully sooner, than sure. that, but we can revisit this, Yeah. you know, whenever. <laughs> so there was a really good question dropped that I, I personally don't even know if I could answer very well and I feel like for you it's mm. even more impossible but we're gonna try it anyway oh no yeah so what uh, is this question it's pretty why it's, didn't I know that people I should have looked on your Facebook group I, I should have cheated I well yeah I mean I guess you could have <laughs> I didn't well, I, did. I probably could have told you about so now it now I'm <laughs> that would have been probably the nice thing to do I don't always remember to okay. to ask the group to for questions yeah because the last three times i have done that uh something's happened mm -hmm. and the guests had to cancel or reschedule or and, and oh, so i got like yeah very uh very what's the word superstitious where i even said i was like i don't know if i should do this because this is like sabotaged every podcast but mm -hmm. here at, here's some questions but and I, as yeah. soon as we were having those technical difficulties before we started yeah. i was like i knew i shouldn't ask the freaking questions the i just curse. knew it the curse of the facebook group Yes, sorry guys, but uh, so this is a this is a this is a question. I don't know how you're going to answer this, but we'll try it. So, Emilio Rizzo, he wants to know if you could only use three pedals for a set, what would they be? Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that question better than I, I. I hate it when people ask like what my favorite pedal is or favorite anything. I I I, I don't like that. So three, that's a little more possible um but i don't know i think when i think about being restricted like that then i automatically want to go to like okay well like which pedals can do the most stuff <laughs> me too so, <laughs> um so of course the eventide h9 um i would use that because I could pretty much have that do whatever I needed in terms of delay, reverb, synth stuff, etc. And then the Zoya, which also feels like cheating. It's basically like with those two pedals, it'd be like having two laptops on your board. You know, it's like they, they yeah. can do so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, those are those so, are robust for sure. Yeah, and then I would need to have. Uh, that, well, and then and then it's a given. I would have to have my boomerang looper. So this is weird. I feel like I could play a set with that. I'm mentally. I, I guessed your. I guessed your <laughs> answers like without like actually yeah. actually thinking that. Like I was like, I bet it's going to be the H9, the Zoya, and the boomerang. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I'm very. Either very predictable or pretty transparent about, um, yeah. Well, I kind of did this what I... the same math you did. <laughs> I, I got asked that question about four pedals here a few months ago, and I was like, four? Don't yeah. be ridiculous. That's not enough pedals. And, uh -huh. and so I did the same thing. I was like, okay, well, out of what I have, you know, what does the yeah. most? And then I was like, well, she's got mm -hmm. a Zoya and an H9. Those do can do almost anything. So, yep. Yep. That's... That's that's pretty versatile, right? There. And you could, and it could be in stereo still. Exactly, exactly. Still go in stereo, so good stuff. You know. Good stuff. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about Iggy, and we talked a little bit about Sonic Youth early on. Who are some of your other influences? Yeah. So in terms of influences, uh, I love Robert Fripp. Uh, I love all the Fripp and Eno ambient records um that's pretty much what i listen to on any given day 
just listen to a lot of that. Um, Glenn Branca is a huge influence on me and Reese Chatham, just their recordings of the guitar ensembles and just hearing um, how powerful uh, the guitar can be. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just like a revelation to me. Um, so yeah, all that had a huge impact on me. Sonic Youth, um, you know, was, was a big one, but yeah. Uh, um, and in terms of live performances that influenced me, I, I saw when I was in college, I saw Nels Klein do a solo guitar set with, that was like basically a, the noise guitar solo set that was incredible um that had a huge impact on me early on um so uh those are definitely the big ones nels nels is something else like i like wilco you know like Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm not like a the biggest wilco fan on the planet but i definitely enjoy wilco but I caught yeah. them. I caught them live with some of my friends here a few years ago, and you know, obviously, I've watched Nels before. I know, I know what's up when you know with what the mm-hmm. guy does. But still, watching him live, just yeah. I mean, I could listen to like that impossible Germany sol- solo is ingrained in my brain. Like that live performance of it that I witnessed. <laughs> It's like that's what I want to do. I'm never gonna be able to yeah. do it, but I, that's what I want to do. It's in I, mm-hmm. that guy's one of the the best guitar players I've ever seen. It's I totally get yeah. it. And catching him live is, I think that's I've seen again. I've seen it, heard his recorded work. I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos, but you catch mm-hmm. him live, and it's it's like breathtaking. <laughs> it yeah, really is exactly. So good. Yeah, it was something to behold. The one thing I wanted to talk to you about is the Moon Canyon. That was quite a project. How did that come to life? So, um, I guess I became acquainted with Dr. No um, in 2016 through, uh, that's when I was uh, supporting Iggy on tour. And at the time... Um, Dr. No was working with, uh, working on a signature pedal collaboration with Troy Van Leeuwen, um, who was, he plays, um, with Josh Homme and Dean in Queens of the Stone Age. And he was also playing guitar on that tour. So I guess when we play, Dr. No is based in the Netherlands. So we played in Amsterdam, maybe anyway. Um, that was how he became aware of my work and how I became aware of his stuff. Um, and he, uh, got in touch with me after the tour and said that he was interested in collaborating on a special pedal. Um, and he he made several trips out to Los Angeles, um, and that was when he brought me like the first prototype of the Moon Canyon. Um, I think he came out once he was done with the uh, with Troy's signature pedals. They ended up being two of those, so he like delivered them to Troy, and then he brought me the prototype. So it was just it was pretty cool for being this long distance <laughs> collaboration, you know and it was my first time collaborating in that way um, with with a pedal maker. So it was, you know, it's, a, it's definitely um, a learning process for me. Um, but, God, I mean, it's such a beautiful pedal. I was blown away with the design and... Um, you know, he everything's built by hand. Even the the box that it comes in mm-hmm. it's this giant book like that's made by hand just it's it was it was really um um yeah i i was so pleased with how everything turned out i mean 
um, there's a price tag that comes with <laughs> that level of um, craftsmanship and just how slow going the, the build process is. So, of course, you know, uh, that's also something that I learned. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a super cool pedal. You know, I, I, uh, I use mine a lot. I use it on, um, the Iggy recordings for this soundscapes that I created for the album. Um, and I've used it when I've done kind of like workshop type things, but I am a little afraid to like have it on my board and travel with it. Right. <laughs> it's such an art piece it's, as well. It is. It's so beautiful. Like it hurt me so much to put Velcro on the back of it. For <laughs> <laughs> I, I did this workshop for um, this Ableton uh, convention. Um and of course, you know, I had to have it on there, but I was like, oh, it's like, yeah, it's like defacing a piece of art. Yeah, I understand. But anyway. Um, was there but, anything about yeah. the process that that kind of was eye-opening about like the pedal building world? Was it like things that took you by surprise or was it all pretty much what you expected? Um... Well, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, um, <laughs> ah, dog. done with the bone. <laughs> yeah, she she's taking a break. She's taking a barking break. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see how ideas get uh, transferred into the realm of like what's possible and what's practical. Um, so, you know, up until this point, I believe everything that Dr. No created was all analog, um, analog delay. I don't think he had created any reverb pedals, but he did the mother brain analog delay. Um, obviously he's done a lot of drives and fuzzes and that type of thing. So, so for people who don't know the moon Canyon, it's one paddle, it has a overdrive circuit. It has um, a long reverb. It's a, a digital reverb and it has an analog sounding yet digital delay as well as an effects loop. Um, and since I, <laughs> I think I threw that in there kind of at the last moment was like, oh, I'm running a stereo board now, can you? put a stereo out so it's not a stereo <laughs> out but it's a dual mono dual mono out um so yeah based on what i was asking for he did kind of had to have to cross over from all analog into the dirty wor world of digital <laughs> um dirty dirty digital <laughs> yeah dirty dirty digital but um but, you know, I think he took a lot of care to retain the um, analog characteristics. Um, so, like I said, with the delay, it is very, um, it's a very warm and analog-y um, digital delay. Um, so... You know, I, I guess that's compromise in a sense. Right. Uh, he was willing to meet me. And then, um, you know, I think when I look back on the project, I would say it's more, you know, he took inspiration um, from when he came to visit in L.A. He was able to, to see me perform live. Um, so just like taking inspiration from what I do and combine it with what he does and like craft a pedal that's kind of inspired by my work. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that's great. And I think, um, you know, I'm very, very happy with how it turned out and, you know, uh, would love to collaborate and in, in that world in in the future you know i think it's 
I don't yet have the skills to build my own pedals, um, but I have plenty of ideas. So, uh, you know, it's cool to make that partnership happen. Yeah, and I, I can relate to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just swimming in ideas. I've done a couple collabs uh, with the podcast myself. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing quite to that level, though. Um, yeah, but I, I just the more I got in, the, the reason I asked the question, it was like there was so many things that I was like, oh, I didn't know that's why this is like industry standard or that's why this is the way this is mm-hmm. done. Like there's been so many parts of that process that I was just because I'm not a builder either. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, that's why that stupid idea I had is not going to work and why nobody's done it yet, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I was yeah, just curious to get your take on it as well. So that's interesting. So we're getting down to the last couple minutes, and I've got a couple questions for you that uh, that are kind of a they've become they become staples. So I would I'd love to get your take on it. Okay. So first one is, what is your favorite boss pedal? Well, I don't do favorites, but there is only one boss pedal that I still you own and use. Okay. <laughs> From uh, many years ago. Um, So I still have a place in my heart and on my pedal board for the Boss PS5. Ah. Specifically the the T-Arm mode. Okay. Um, So I set it down... Two, uh, two octaves and um so when you when you hold down the foot switch it'll just dive down this really nice glissando um down two octaves and i've used that a lot in my um in my music on uh, on recordings and uh so I recently just performed uh, an, a song from an older album live for um, a, a video shoot I did with Reverb. They're making a, a pedal documentary and they asked me to perform a piece of music um, that's, uh, they want to open the whole film. So I performed this piece of mine that fit like the, the, the mood and the description of what, what they wanted for this mm-hmm. and I had to break out the PS five nice. for it. Yep. Oh, so you're I like, talked about oh. it for that, for the documentary. It's pretty cool. You, you, so I went from kind of forgetting that the PS five existed to it being mentioned yeah. so many times in this segment that I'm like, I'm going to go yeah. to like, as soon as you said that I was like, I'm buying a PS five today. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go find yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, I only one. use it in that mode, um, but it's just really, it's really great, and it's just you know something that it's it's a part of uh, some of my older pieces of music, and I just can't do it without that puddle. I mean, I could probably figure out a way, but I don't want to. And it's cool. It's like you know having an old friend come around. It's you know, it's. It's nice. Nice. Um, nice. Granted, I haven't owned a ton of boss pedals in my time. Um, but, you know, yes. You asked the question. There's my answer. There's the answer. Great. And I also want to yep. let the record show because the Reverb people told me not to talk about the pedal, the, the pedal documentary yet. I didn't say it. Sarah well, did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So the... Um, Michael Lux, he was in charge of this shoot. And afterward, he like posted a picture. He posted a couple of pictures oh. from the shoot and with like the tag pedal documentary. So I reposted it. And I was like, oh, I guess it's cool to talk about it. No one yelled at me. Okay, good. So, all right. And well- he responded with, he responded because people were asking questions like, oh, when's this coming out? And he responded saying, you know, um, 2020 and and whatever so i think it's okay to talk about it okay good but feel free to just like don't edit it out just like um bleep out the the mention of it so people will be intrigued 
Mm, maybe I will. I'll think about. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll listen back to that and I'll say I, I played this piece for this. Boo! Yeah. People yes. think like wow, exactly. They're not gonna know. No, no. It's uh, when they come. They're supposed to come to Portland, and I'm supposed to be the. I told them I'd be their chauffeur, chauffeur and food guide when they when they landed. Yeah. So I'm really excited go. about that. Like really excited. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I'm really excited to watch That's your piece, fun. too. That I did not know. So this is thrilling. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they hear this podcast, they might cut me out. out I of, doubt you it. Know. I don't think so. But I think, you're good. Um, I think you'll be safe. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. All right. So the next question, and this is this is the one that causes the most hate and discontent on the whole show. Oh, OK. Yeah. It's a bit it's a bit controversial. But what kind of pizza do you like? Oh, people are not going to like my my answer. Um, so I will say I rarely eat pizza, but if I do, it's going to have a ton of vegan cheese, which I don't care if it's weird. And kind of gross. Like, I, I love it. Um, it's probably going to have, like, a really gross cauliflower crust. Basically, it's not going to be a pizza at all. Okay. <laughs> It'll be just, like, like a cauliflower crust with tomato sauce and a ton of vegan cheese. You're getting and as close as you maybe can. maybe, like, some, uh, some sliced mushrooms or some peppers. you got to have some oregano. It'll be just a monstrosity. Um, I mean, it's just send all the hate mail directly my way. That's fine because I'm okay with it. She can I handle mean, it. She's got. She's strong. She knows. She can. It's it. it's fine. I embrace that. You know, I, that's just who I am now. I am like a cauliflower crust vegan cheese eating pizza. I'm doing air quotes right now. Pizza person. You, so you know, if you're happy about it. That's really all that matters. That's... I don't know if it makes me happy, but it's just, you know, it's just who I am now. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> that works. That works for me. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for hanging out. This has been really a treat. Uh, I'm glad we finally were able to do this. Of course. And I, I me, me too. Try. It was fun. Would you like to leave the, the people with any thoughts where they can find you and all that jazz? Where you can find me, um, you can find me, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned it, but um, you can find me on Instagram, posting about all kinds of nerdy stuff. You, you'll, you'll see pedals, you'll see my cat, my dog, guitars, video clips of stuff I'm working on. Um, Instagram, I'm at Lipstate. Um, and yeah, you can probably find me other places as well, but um, I definitely engage the most on that platform. So we'll leave it at that. Perfect. That works for me. Yeah. All right, everybody. For Sarah, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, we did it. We did it. Thank you for tuning in. If for some reason you have never heard Sarah's music, Please, get the get yourself to the Google machine and fix that as soon as you can. If you are into all the stuff we talked about, you're going to like it. It's really, really good. Very unique. And uh, again, stuff that I try to do, but really badly. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty incredible to watch your work. So, yeah, I think that's it for this week. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter for all the free pedals and all that stuff like we've talked about a million times. I won't rehash it here, but basically, we have trivia that goes out to the mailing list, and once a month, there's an opportunity for people to win some free stuff. So, don't forget about that, and I think that's a, that's a pretty good place to wrap this up, so I will talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. 
As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.